Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. What should we do? Should we actually explain what we do for Storygram? Because this is Story Found. Story Found is the behind the scenes of Storygram. Everything that we do or sometimes don't do to make this happen as a podcast network happens with us first. And this is your snapshot into our process, such as it is between Lisa Pidge, Takeshi Lewis, and me, Daedalus Howell. That's right. And so what do you do exactly for Storygram? I'm the host of The Bleed, which is finally entering the rest of its saga for season one and being pushed through the inspiration of Takeshi Lewis (laughs) into season two. I interview uh, innovators and creatives and artists, and I'm doubling down on artists next season as we look into the creative process and what it means to be on the bleeding edge of being creative. Right. I love working on it, too, because I get to learn more about this artist and how they come up with the process of what they're doing in general. And you're a really good interviewer, too. So it's a lot of fun to listen to. And it was actually pretty sad when you were like, I don't know, I'm going to take a vacation from it right now. Well, in the interest of transparency, right, and this is kind of what Story Found is about, right, yeah. is, is like how we found the story and found ourselves within it, right? So I interviewed these creative people. And I love them and they're great and they offer tremendous insights and I hope it's serving the audience. But then I get off of the call with them and I think to myself, why am I not doing my creative stuff, (laughs) right? Right. And so every episode, as awesome and as much as I learned from each person, ended up being kind of a heartbreaker because I was like, I should just fucking get off my ass and focus on my stuff. And what you constantly remind me of and always bring me back to is like, this is part of my stuff. I have to stop resenting my interviews, <laughs> you know, and just realize like the bleed and this facility, I guess I have. And thank you for saying that I'm a good interviewer is just part of my skill set. It's like doing anything else I do. I should just do that and enjoy that for what it is on its own. And it doesn't steal from my own fire. It actually just kindles my fire. So it was a rude awakening. And thanks for the talk the other day to kind of straighten the shit out. But. Right. right. I agree. I think that that is something that we always forget. Like you're a host, you're an artist, and this is part of your genre of Daedalus Hal Creative is the bleed, right? So. Yeah, but you, I'm sure you go through this too, where it's like you can do the thing, but then you can also facilitate the thing for other people, right? You like oh, the, your saying. clients you work with. The difference between you and your clients is you're that much smarter than them to make the shit happen for them, right? That they can't do or are unable to do in whatever context, right? You could have a manager that do the same thing that you do for your clients. And so it's like, where do you draw the line between like, Lisa, the creative who should be out there in front of everyone, and Lisa, the person behind the scenes who's making it happen for everyone. It's so tough. I think about that every day. And sometimes, you know, like Aiden, he'll say, why don't we do this? Why don't you do it with me? And I'll be like, oh, yeah, I can host. And I do. That's what I do sometimes, (laughs) you know, but I never think about that. But I also think that at some point you have to go with what is serving you the best. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I love being creative. I love hosting shows. I love writing and all that. But at one point I was just like, you know, I actually really do love working behind the scenes a little bit more. Right. Yeah. But it serves me better. It's kind of like serving two masters, like the business master 
and the creative masses. When you're creative, it's so hard to serve the business side. That's why creative people have managers and PR people and agents because it's just challenging to do that when you're an actor or a comedian. And I think that's what happens to a lot of young comedians and actors. Like they're trying to do everything. They're doing their social media. They're doing all of their negotiations. They're doing everything. And it's like, you really just need to be a creative. I don't know how, like a Daedalus, I mean, you're editor of a major paper. That must be really challenging because to me, you're like a brilliant, you know, your films and your books and your all your fiction stuff is incredible. So it must be hard to be an editor of a paper and like have to be like in that setting. Yeah, it's a funny thing. Thank you for the nice words, by the way. With the newspaper, it's very much a day job, but one that I'm totally stoked to be doing because it's like the best day job that I can right. have, right? I'm really built for that thing. And what I think of it as is kind of hosting the party, right? Every week I host the party and I've got these regular guys who are always going to show up. Those are my staff. And then I've got these guests guests that come in. Those are my freelancers. And then we tell the stories and we make it happen. And it's really intuitive and, and fun for me to do. But kind of speaking to what we're discussing now with this sort of like this conundrum as a creative slash hyper-competent victim of our own competence sometimes when it comes to managing these things. Right. I have this poetry event that I've been doing for seven years, eight years now at Bump Sellers in Sonoma. We're not doing it there, obviously, this year, but I'm hosting it as I always do. And I'm in this unique position where I could plug it but there's a sort of conflict of interest wherein, like, is it appropriate for the editor of the paper to write about their own gig? And uh, yeah, it's kind of like, nah, probably not cool. The way I got to do it usually is I put it in a column and I make a funny thing about it. I, I do a kind of a, a humor column where I spin it so it's not like this self-promoting kind of thing because there's, I guess there's journalistic integrity or something like that. <laughs> so <laughs> I, do, I do it transparently, but, but man, it's like I'm always on the side that I want to be on. You know, I'd love to get some press, but I'm the guy who does the press. You know what I mean? Lisa, yes. Sometimes you want to be in the show, but you're the person who puts on the show. Yes. You know? <laughs> so. It's yeah. a funny thing. But then again, I'm fucking totally grateful that I got the gig. I mean, what else would I do here? Exactly. I was just going to say, we're so lucky yeah. to do what we're doing. I think that's incredible. And Takeshi, you make it all happen. <laughs> what are you working on? Well, I've been working on a ton of different podcasts, especially It's Not About Food. I've been working on a couple other projects, Conversation 5C, which is your podcast. And the thing is, is when you're editing, I kind of go through that too. And I have to do like 10 minutes at a time because I'm doing these hard edits. But then I always end up tinkering with the sound with every episode <laughs> slightly to try to make it sound better. So that's kind of like my way of angling it. My creativity is just like, oh, their voice sounds way better. I just sprout their voice across the speakers just a little <laughs> bit more. But no one will ever know except for me. <laughs> oh, I, I know. I can Hello. totally tell. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell too sometimes. I'm like, that sounds interesting. <laughs> right, right, right. I, yeah, I always think I sound good, but also I stammer, I stutter constantly, and all that shit just evaporates when Takeshi doesn't edit. It's, it's pretty uncanny, actually. Like, <laughs> the, I like the guy that I listen to more than the guy I actually am because of him. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. I kind of like the likes. It's like, you know, I was listening to some, some of our old podcasts, Takeshi, from like 2018 or right. whatever. And we do talk a lot. Oh my God, we talk a lot. But we do, we do say, I say like a lot 
Were you not editing out the likes back then? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't doing that back then, no. I was kind of more just let it ride free and do its thing, but it, we want to represent the best product that we could produce. And that's what he got the like plug in, so it actually just takes them all out automatically. Likes and <laughs> you know is, is always the tough ones I've noticed with a lot of people. Yeah. Especially you with like California's. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we decided we did, you guys Daedalus decided to you know it was basically his birth of uh, his he birthed this storygram and we you that's know, true came along with you and don't you think oh you know it's I have to really you can, lay edit, the, you can edit that out Takeshi <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna lay the blame right on Takeshi you've hosted Rand produced the morning show for years at KSVY local radio station yeah and then I had the pleasure of doing one day a week with him which was the best show and any award we got or whatever I'm pretty sure that was because of our show right and so, <laughs> I was on that show a lot with Takeshi. He always had me as a guest as last minute. He'd be like texting me at 7.35. Can you be on the show today? I'd be like, uh, okay. <laughs> so we, we had an instant rapport, but it really developed. And we just kind of like get each other's beats. And it, it, we have a good flow, right? And when we're on, especially, it's just hilarious and it's fun. And so then we did a film together. We did Pillhead together. He did the sound design for that and the mixing and all that stuff. And so audio projects are just a thing we do together. And so right. he, he's always pushing me to do a podcast and i'm always like ah, only because i usually have so much shit going on or whatever and so the storygram is completely born of takeshi insisting that we do a podcast because that's a place that we excel mutually and that we like to do and because of you lisa and others in the mix it was natural that it would become a network and so i was just happy to ride the wave but i'm definitely along for the ride with this one <laughs> Like, like we scored some stuff with uh, Transistor. I, I'm proud to have like been part of that negotiation, but uh, it's it's really all Takeshi. I mean, you know, from, <laughs> it really is. I mean, I, I text Takeshi. I'm like, um, you're the only one uh, that's holding this ship up right now. I mean, especially during the holidays. I was just like, uh, okay, Takeshi's. Yeah. Oh, you got it. Okay, okay. Takeshi will like Mikey will do it. Takeshi will do it. No, <laughs> right, I'm kidding. Totally. Mikey always <laughs> likes it. But that's uh, the other thing. So, but Lisa, like you were the one early on who like were able to wrap your head around like what this would be as a marketing phenomena, how to codify everything. You created the site. You launched it. You know, and so I'm just the dude along for the ride. I'm, and I really got to step up and do a better show, obviously, because I'm I'm paling next to you guys. I'm like I'm just like. I'm, I just suck. That's it. I'm just, I'm just, I don't, I just, I just fucking hate myself, man. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Oh. No, no, but you know what I'm saying though? It's just like, and we all have these really full lives and it's just the fact that we have a podcast network at all is incredible, you know, and, and doing it these days. Well, yeah. I haven't been attending to my podcast just because I'm just doing so many things behind the scenes. I don't care. Like, I'm not like stressed out. Like, oh my God, I gotta do my podcast. Like, ah, because there is right. other stuff to do and just thinking about, the backside of it all. And so, like you said the other day, we're doing great. You know, we're just trying to provide a platform for artists to share their voice. And that's all we're doing. And there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> we're doing a great job. And if listenership's up. I mean, people are listening. Yeah. So the number. Yeah. I think this is a great experiment. And now it's also beginning to evolve into a business. 
And, and that's a process. And I think as we proceed, it becomes more clear about how we're doing it. And the hard part is solved. We know why we're doing it. We are providing a platform for artists. And I think it's great. I do think also, though, Lisa, that you are the secret weapon. You're the talent that we really got a front line. I really think you should be in front as a host. I mean, it's just it's so right. obvious that that's a natural place for you. I know. My gosh, I know. <laughs> Well, you could talk a little bit about your show that you're working on, right? Yeah, I'm recording a show called Conversation 5C. Actually, 5C is a marketing term. It's a high-profile marketing term. It's like the five C's of marketing. I won't go into it right now, but like the top five C's of what you need to do to succeed in like a marketing strategy or whatever. Anyway, but my podcast is nostalgic. Every guest, I ask the same five questions. What was your favorite candy? What was your, your first car, your first crush? the first concert you attended, and what was your favorite cartoon growing up? And the conversations are so fun. I feel like nostalgia is so important, especially in a time like COVID. It's like we're all looking back to the times, like you see people on Facebook posting, remember last year when we were at the bar? And, you know, people are just (laughs) craving the good old days. And so I've been interviewing people in all different age ranges, like people who grew up in like the 60s, people who grew up in the 50s, people who grew up in the 70s. The interesting part is like the first crush. It's very juicy. I love this show. I think this is a fucking brilliant concept. In fact, if I may, I want to be on your show. I know. Can I interview? I want to interview both of you guys, actually. Let's do a micro version right now. (laughs) Okay. All right. We'll pretend it's a preview, but uh, we'll just, I'll just keep it kind of concise. I intro the person and where they grew up. So I'm trying to get people like who grew up in different fun cities, like Hollywood, like Texas. And so it's interesting to see what people liked in different states too. All right, Daedalus, hmm. what was your favorite cartoon growing up? Like when you were like a kid around, you know, like five to 10 and why? So... I can't remember what it was called, but it had Uh-oh. this character. Well, no, it's just one of those Hanna-Barbera, you know, like pantheon of characters, right? And there was this character who was some kind of feline, like uh, lion, tiger, probably, but pink, but not the Pink Panther. Maybe he wasn't pink, but he was called Snagglepuss. Do you remember oh, this yeah. guy? Oh, yes. Snagglepuss. Yeah. It was yeah. called Snagglepuss, wasn't it? Oh, well, there we go. Yeah. I believe like he had like cuffs from like a uh, tuxedo, like yeah, short right. cuffs cufflinks, a bow tie, perhaps. And he had this kind of affected way of talking. And he'd say, exit, stage right, you know. <laughs> and there was something about the theatricality of this guy. And, you know, he was totally fey and, and silly. And and he had this kind of like uh, overdramatic kind of sense of self, right? And he'd say things like, heavens for Murgatroyd. And Yes, heavens for Murgatroyd. <laughs> I totally rather inhaled this guy like he became got into my system and i didn't know this but years later he started coming out right and i realized oh my god a big tick in my character is this fucking cartoon <laughs> you know this- well well daedalus that's really interesting because our memories like that like that experience that memory really shape who we are today like that character came out in you later. I mean, one of my favorite cartoons was Archie. And I loved Archie because I love the way he dressed. I'm like, do I dress like Archie as a grown woman because I watched the Archie? So it's interesting. But Snagglepuss, <laughs> 1959, uh, Hanna-Barbera. Uh, uh, I remember. That's oh, funny. shit. Yeah. That's where he came from. So he, I was watching reruns then in the 70s. It yeah. Like. 19, it got actually uh, 1962 is when it really gained its popularity. Holy shit. Wow. You kind of are Snagglepuss. Like you're very debonair. You know, you wear your, you have your really beautiful sport coats that you're always wearing. You know, so that interesting. All right, moving to the next question. What was your favorite candy growing up? 
So it may still exist. They were called Rolos, right? And they were these kind of trapezoidal shaped chocolates with caramel. Yeah, uh, those inside. are really good. Yeah. And it, Do you know the theme song? Ready? No, I don't. You can roll a Rolo to your pal. It's chocolate covered <laughs> caramel. You can roll a Rolo to your pal. Here we go. Because they roll. That is awesome. Takeshi, what was your favorite candy growing up? I was such a candy crackhead. There was this place in Sonoma called Candyland. <laughs> and my friend and I would go there like almost every fucking day just to spend like two bucks on like cheap candy. And there was that weird, like, one where you stuck the sugar stick inside of the weird powdered lick a made, lick a dip, lick a dip. Oh my yeah. god, <laughs> god, we, we've talked about lick a dip on the show. Uh, I, it was my, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, that and bottle caps were definitely my favorites. Oh, bottle caps were really good. They had like the soda flavors, like the Coca Cola flavor, and that was cool. One more question, and then we'll, we'll so I want to know what your first concert was and what experience you had at your first concert. Okay. So that, this is a funny one. Uh, I, for years, obscured any knowledge of my first concert. I didn't want anyone to know that it wasn't something cool at the Phoenix, but it was actually in Mountain View at the shoreline <laughs> with uh, my then teeny bopper girlfriend, you know, if you could even say that at 15, 16, whatever I was. <laughs> And it was in excess. Oh, and nice. Oh, <laughs> look at you. What was your favorite? For, oh, sorry, you done? No, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, God. My first big concert was this Sepultura Helmet and Ministry show. <laughs> oh, God, of course. Of I course, was like of course. 15 wow. All or something. In from the beginning. Love it. Yeah. Love it was one of the most scary shows I've ever been to in my whole entire life. It was ministry at their like peak. And <laughs> they were playing all these surgery videos on the actual screen. And someone like fell off the balcony because they were so high. <laughs> oh my god. They had to get carried out, of course. Dude, it was like the scariest thing I've ever seen in my whole entire life. That's how you met Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the funny thing is, is my bandmate who lives in Sacramento, he also went to that show. Oh wow. I, yeah, one I didn't know <laughs> or anything, but yeah. That's great. Lisa, what was your concert? My first concert? Yeah. My first concert was in Hawaii, and it was a band called Kalapana. <laughs> and they were like the Hawaiian Doobie Brothers. Oh, my God. I was like eight years old. And, you know, I had a lot of aunties and uncles that were like teenagers at the time. And I remember going to this concert, and Mackie Fury was the lead singer's name. And so it was at like the Aloha Bowl or something. And I remember my aunts, they had like feathered hair, you know, they had yeah. beautiful feathered hair. And they were so pretty. And they were so in love. Like Mackie Fury to them was like kind of like how the monkeys were here in California. You know, everyone loved the monkeys, you know, in the 70s. But oh, totally. man, he was so dreamy and he had the great bell bottoms and the, like the mustache and the long hair, <laughs> you know, the bi-level 70s hair. Yes. And they played that music so much. I still, I have the vinyl and I still can sing every single word of every single song on their album, Kalapana. <laughs> 
fucking <laughs> Mackie Fury is a fucking cool name. <laughs> yeah, Mackie Fury. I think he died, but look him up, Kalapana. They have some great. It's like you know, it's kind of like that yacht rock kind of music. Yeah, yacht you know, rock. I got to love them even though they laugh at you. Love them, you know, like kind of music. It's like so cool. <laughs> And so, but they're like a regional act. They were only big in Hawaii, it sounds like, right? They won a few Grammys. They were pretty well known in like in the Bay Area and they were very popular in Hawaii for sure. Did they have a song called Nightbird? Yeah, Nightbird. Here That's we a go. Good one, Nightbird. <laughs> That's right. We're going to listen to some Nightbird. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here we go. I'll sing it to you guys. <laughs> I can't hear it. You can't hear it? Oh, there we go. Oh, yeah. All through the night, this spell hurt for me. And if you can find her, tell her wait for me. Cause you have wings, you know, I'll let you go. Storygram Network. Welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm. When you're whining with nurses. It's a place I like to call the bleed. My name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. Rich flavor is one of your favorites. You'll want to join me on the wine road. The art of being yay isn't just something he developed. Storygram Network. <laughs>